Hey everybody, welcome back to Taos Theology for a special bonus episode with Andy and Tammy Fleming. This lesson was originally done for the Seattle Church of Christ, and you can see the video as well as their slides on the Seattle Church of Christ YouTube channel. Andy and Tammy Fleming have served as full-time evangelist and women's ministry leader for over 30 years in the International Church of Christ. Now, Andy's a Canadian and Tammy's an American. They met back in 1985 in the Boston Church of Christ, and later they married on the Stockholm mission team in early 1987, planting that church. They've devoted their life and invested in the mission in churches in Scandinavia, the UK, Los Angeles, and the former Soviet Union. They've also worked with the ICOC's administration, have overseen mission efforts in the Middle East, and currently serve on the ICOC Teachers Service Team and the Catalyst Team. Andy is pursuing a Doctor of Ministry degree in missional leadership from Abilene Christian University in Texas, and Tammy is a Certified Advanced Grief Recovery Method Specialist. I'm so excited for you guys to hear their lesson on submission and authority. I just want to say thank you to uh, the Overstreets for giving us a little time to share with our wonderful and beloved family in Seattle. We know uh, that you're having a, a special day talking about some of the uh, gender questions about role in the church, etc. And uh, I'd been exchanging some e emails with Darren and I shared with him some thoughts I'd had about submission and he uh, suggested that maybe Tammy and I do a little uh, sharing with you guys. So we're excited about this opportunity. Modern society likes to think of itself as being governed by principles and rules rather than people. Of course, we understand in practice uh, that's not really how it all works. And once someone gets by some kind of process a role and power, then it really becomes a personal thing and they become engaged in it. But uh, the Old Testament actually didn't see it this way. Uh, New Testament, when Rome became an empire and left being a republic, uh, it actually got more and more this way where power was invested in a single person. Uh, the Old Testament model was patriarchal, and so many times uh, power in any kind of structure came back to a single individual and that was almost without exception a male. Um, but this model, despite its vulnerability to human weakness, is actually closer to how the Bible operates. People sometimes try to imagine God in their theological imagination as some being superior to us, but somehow in submission to kind of world and cosmic principles. But that's not true at all. Uh, God is the origin and creator of all things, and He's in submission in nothing except to His own nature, and maybe that's not even a true way to say it. Because God is God. He is who He is. Every righteous and good principle that exists uh, comes directly from God. It's an expression of God in His person. So the fact that God adheres to His own ethical principles, and really God is amazing, because what God would actually expect something of humanity and therefore make the decision to define that for us becoming by becoming human Himself. I mean... Uh, no human imagination could come up with a God that is that uh, morally right and generous to, uh, towards His creation. You know, it wasn't too long ago I was confronted by a somewhat aggressive member in a church I was part of, and uh, they sincerely believed that the church should have 
no authority structures whatsoever, that uh, everybody is equal. And uh, for some reason, it, I mean, the first of all, that's just an assumption that a position or a role gives more value to another person. Uh, sadly, that's bringing into the whole conversation a very uh, worldly perspective. But what was interesting is I, I watched this person push the agenda of no, no authority in the church. Uh, what I realized was here was a person with great rhetorical ability. And so, yes, if we all had no positions, then what would, you know, what would authority, what would influence fall down to? Well, it would then boil down to uh, those that speak the best, those that can gather the most people around them. And the thing that really hit me, I never quite thought of this before, but if there is a tangible structure, if there are roles that in fact have some authority, then with those roles come accountability. You get rid of all structure and all authoritative roles, and actually then there's no accountability. There's no, there's no way to actually uh, judge how this is working, and there's absolutely no way to enforce it. So we can't escape this. Uh, if we dissolve society down into no authority whatsoever, uh, we all know that in just a short period of time, those that are strongest and many times in the wrong way will actually take authority on themselves and they'll become the new structure, the new authority. Uh, if there's one thing that we can learn from uh, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, it's just that these roles, which may be very different, and is being a father and a son a role? Well, I think we actually would agree it is. Uh, human beings sometimes play one role, sometimes play the other based on, on human relationships. But they're undisputedly equal. Uh, their character, their quality is equal. But in, but in, in interest of just con this conversation, no one would say that the son is over the father. And, and in fact, actually, in one verse where Paul says in Corinthians that that God has put everything under Jesus' feet, he makes a little disclaimer, well, everything but himself. Okay, so uh, absolutely the Father and Son are equal. They equally represent the character of God. But what's interesting is one was in a role of complete submission, and the other one wasn't when it came to will. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane makes that the most clear. Uh, Jesus prayed, not my will but yours. Mm -hmm. And uh, God did not concede the day to Jesus' will. But they had agreed before the beginning of time, before Jesus took on flesh. They'd already agreed upon this plan. And so uh, Jesus, in a moment of weakness, legitimately feeling weak, turned to his heavenly Father and said, I don't really want to do what we agreed upon. But the Father uh, held the course. Uh, and I think it was just as painful for the Father as it was for the Son to keep Jesus on that track. Absolutely. So Jesus is not devalued. But mm -hmm. it says that Jesus emptied himself in Philippians chapter 2. It says, Being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And actually in the Greek it's the word slave. Now you can't go any further. You're going from the form of God to the form of a slave. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jesus had anything left to pour out. He emptied himself and became completely dependent on the Father. And so we have to change our view a little bit about what it means to be to have authority and to be under authority. Mm -hmm. In other words, 
to have authority and then to be in submission? Because Jesus was in complete submission to his Father. But as he said in John chapter 10, I lay down my life willingly. In other words, just because he was in submission doesn't mean he didn't have his own will. But Jesus understood the value of submission. And if we look at the Lord, the, the, his prayer in Gethsemane, if it wasn't for the value of submission, he might not have gone through with the plan. Because everything inside of them was saying, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And yet our salvation is based in the humility of God and that he was willing to submit the Son to the Father. Tammy has any comments she can yeah, add something? Yeah, it's really an honor to be able to be here and speak with you all. Uh, I think sometimes it's so easy to look at the idea of submission with humanistic eyes. We all hate suffering. We hate to see people we love suffering, don't we? And sometimes I think we look at some of the scriptures. I've just been reading Isaiah in my quiet times and the famous, amazing description of Jesus' ministry mm -hmm. in Isaiah 61 you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on him and on us as well, right? Following in his footsteps. Because the Lord has anointed Jesus to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. And sometimes I think we can, especially now in this climate of justice and social justice, and yes, we do need to speak up for people that are being oppressed, but... It is also true that God is not afraid of allowing his people to suffer. And sometimes, I'm, I know Andy's going to get into talking about the different kinds of authority that God shares, some of his authority with human relationships. And we live in a country, for example, where uh, no one wants to pay taxes because no one trusts the government. And yet the Bible commands us to pay taxes. It doesn't mean only if the government is reputable or if you trust do you pay. When we got married 34 years ago, submission was also a dirty word back then. And we proudly proclaimed at our wedding that I was going to submit to my husband as the head. I still believe in that. I don't believe that that ever meant that he was better, although he, he does happen to be a little smarter than me. That is really true. Not true. <laughs> In his own way. But there are, there are talents and gifts that he has. There are talents and gifts that I have. I always understood in God's eyes that I am not less than. Uh, even though the world around us, including our church structure, uh, seem to sometimes value me less. My decision to submit to my husband as the head, I base on biblical principles. Mm -hmm. It has served us well, and we'll share a little bit more about that as we go on. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're going to have a society that has any kind of order to it, there's going to be a place for authority and a place for submission. Mm -hmm. If we look through the New Testament, we actually find a, of an example of something that happened in regular society, and that was the establishment of household codes. In other words, statements of roles that uh, how, how a household should operate. And if we look through the New Testament, and this is interesting, these uh, formulas that we will call household code, codes, uh, they're found in seven of the 13 letters of Paul and then two of the other letters. Mm -hmm. So in fact, almost half the New Testament letters uh, reflect some of these values and codes. But actually the way the Bible presents them is very different. Uh, in the worldly renditions of these codes, there was almost nothing said about those in authority. And uh, the codes were to be followed by those who were in submission. 
Uh, very different than that, we see in the scriptures a great balancing and an understanding that all authority ultimately goes back to God. And so anyone that has a, a role that involves some authority is actually answerable to God for that. Mm -hmm. um, we see this word submit in all these different relationships. And submit means literally to be put under. That already sounds like someone's being put down. Mm -hmm. But that's not the intention. Again, our frame of reference is the Father and the Son. Amen. Our frame of reference is God and His Son. And uh, Jesus submitted to His Father, even though it was painful, etc. It was not a value statement. In fact, for the greater good, for the world's good, Jesus was willing to play His role. So we have uh, in these letters five different societal relationships. We have uh, husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves. We have civil authority, so government and citizens. And then we have church leadership and church community. And what's interesting, in all of those relations of submission, the word submit is used. There, there, there's, a, a, there's a role of authority in leadership, and then there's a role uh, of submission. But what's interesting, too, in the New Testament is there's direction to both sides of this coin, except with government and citizen. We have a bit of teaching, a fair bit of teaching, about how we should be good citizens, but there's actually no instruction to the government. But within the teaching to the citizens, it does say this, all governments will eventually give accountability to God. And so, uh, that, you can keep that sort of in mind. In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That was his introductory statement of the household codes in the Ephesian letter. And he was there going to be talking about marriage, husband and wife. He was going to be talking about uh, the, the master and slave relationship and also the parent and child relationship. But he begins this by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is what he said to the wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, that's a high level of submission we understand as disciples. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Uh, you know, I remember our marriage day, date. It was a, a little over 34 years ago. And I remember uh, being downstairs in the uh, building where we were going to have the wedding, um, you know, sitting down there by myself, having a little prayer time with God and realizing I was about to promise to take care of one of God's favorite daughters, at least my point of view, uh, one of God's favorite daughters. And I was just sitting there going, man, uh, you know, you can kind of imagine a father-in-law, but I was thinking about God. And I was taking on a role to, to lead a household, to, to lead my wife. And to be honest, it was one of the most humbling moments of my life. Because I realized that what I am doing isn't, has, has no virtue in my ability. It has no virtue in, in uh, who I am even as a person. This is a covenanted relationship that mirrors Christ and the church. And as a, a man and a woman, we are able to enter into this covenant and in that gain great understanding about how things are with God and His relationship with us. Uh, husband is the head, 
And the wife, the wife's role, its particulars were defined by su submission to the husband's will. You know, what's interesting is it says to submit to one another. Mm -hmm. And it sounds a little unfair that uh, Paul made that, that general statement, submit to one another, and then only repeats for wives, slaves, and children to submit to their partner in the relationship. But I want to point out to some, something to you as we read about the husband's role. He also is being called to submit. And this is very important before God. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. You know, what we see here, interestingly, is another version of submission. Because the role of the husband is to take care of the needs of his wife in every sphere. And so he, he becomes responsible or in submission to her needs. And it becomes a perfect circle. Because Christ was in submission, yes, to the Father. But if you look at what he did, everything Christ did was to meet our needs. His very coming, his very emptying himself of the form of God, uh, his becoming a human being, and then emptying himself of every human right on the cross. Uh, Jesus did all of that, one, because God and he, uh, the Father and He had agreed to it already, but two, it was our needs as humanity. And so our needs dictated His plan. This is what it means to understand the role of leadership uh, in God's model. Uh, there is a submission to will on one side, and then a submission to needs on the other. And this makes a perfect circle of self-affirmation and, and works together as an amazing relationship. Tammy can share a bit. I was just going to say, I, uh, I am very aware of the arguments that have been made in scholarly circles about how this passage refers to man in the marriage relationship or in the family as source, not necessarily as an authoritative head. However, I cannot, I understand that, and I understand the scholars are at odds. I read all these passages and I cannot think of it any other way other than as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I just can't unsee un that in a different way. My lordship to Jesus gives me the foundation to be able to trust an imperfect man. And I know that it's very easy for us. We all, I'm sure, know of many examples of unrighteous heads, unrighteous leaders, but that is not, that, that is not the basis for our submission. Look, it doesn't work over there, so the Bible can't be right. That would be, if we went that way, we would throw out conflict resolution according to the Bible. We would throw out so much of Scripture, and that is, we can't do that. I would just like to testify personally how this has worked so beautifully in our marriage on two levels, just as an example. Uh, we all know that what defines a marriage, what separates a marriage from every other human relationship is the physical intimacy. 
which I believe is designed by God to teach us about our relationship with God. Now, if you're single and you're not married, you're not uh, losing out because you also can learn to know God without having a sexual relationship. You have senses. You have so many different ways as well to experience God and to know God in the Hebrew sense of the word yada, just like a married couple. It's different. Uh, it's not less than, it's just different. And right now we're talking about the marriage relationship, and so therefore I will use this example of our physical intimacy, which is commanded by God, designed by God. When I came into our marriage, I was sort of a broken person. I had had a lot of impure sexual relationships before I became a Christian, and I carried this into our marriage. If we did not have between us this understanding of biblical submission, and Andy, I want you to know right away, has always been the kindest, gentlest, and I know that's not true for a lot of women who may be watching this. So yes, I know I'm blessed and I'm lucky, but even with a kind and gentle husband, I want you to know that without that foundation of my own submission to God and to Jesus as Lord and to Andy as leader, our physical intimacy would not have have progressed, would not have bonded, it would not be the great quality that it is today. If that, if this law of submission in marriage, as I understand it, were not in place, I can tell you right now, we would have had fights, conflicts, I, I just, I didn't go there because I understood from scripture, this is, I need to learn, I need to change, I need to adapt, I need to grow, and I want you to know that it has been one of the most incredible blessings in my life to grow past the brokenness that I carried into this relationship from 10 years of being out in the world. Another example is just in the direction of our family and marriage. There have been times when Andy has wanted to take us in a certain direction. I have felt differently about it. And because I submitted after speaking my mind and sharing what I thought, he's always been great about listening, and again, I know some men are not. I'm lucky that I have a wise husband who listens, but if you don't have one of those, that does not, I don't believe that excuses us from submission. God is still active. He is still present. He is still fully capable of, of working. He, he understands all of this. He set up these laws and, and order, and so he will work within it. But if we fight him and we fight the order of things spiritually, then we, we will suffer worse than God intends. There have been times when Andy has wanted to take our family in a certain direction. After speaking my mind, he still decides to go where he wants to go, but because I have been submissive and I have not been rebellious and, and our, uh, our conflict has not become the issue, very quickly he has understood, you know what, you were right, and we've been able to change course very quickly and pivot and things have gone much more smoothly. Yes, thank you for those conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's not every time. Sometimes the other happens and Tammy realizes, oh, this was actually the right direction Absolutely for our family. True. So true. Uh, there's got to be that give and take. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, Tammy and I look at each other, and it's, this is humorous. Sometimes we look at each other and I go, boy, I'm glad I'm not the person submitting right now. Tammy looks at me sometimes and goes, I'm glad I'm not the person leading right mm -hmm. now. Uh, there's pluses and minus to both sides of this uh, when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to challenge. But most importantly, God has given us roles. He's empowered us for mm -hmm. roles. 
And we have to learn how to, to live out those roles. We're in training. And uh, if, if one of us is not righteous with the other, it's real, it makes it all the more difficult to actually learn our role for exactly. the other person. But when we are actually in submission to each other out of reverence for Christ, uh, we can be learning how to be better uh, in our roles. And uh, I can learn how to be a better listener. Tammy learns how to be a, a better follower. And, and it all goes together. I can learn better what her needs are. Uh, she can learn better what blocks in my leadership. And, and, and we can discuss these things and come to, to great agreement and cooperation mm -hmm. in them. You know, this passage ends with, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, before humanity was even created, the father and son had a plan. And in that plan, the son would take a role of submission to the father. Uh, the father kind of stayed behind in that transcendental uh, mystery, uh, but Jesus descended into flesh, and he, he fulfilled his role. But he did that also and established with humanity the relationship of Lord and church. And this is so amazing, head and body. And so we can learn something about Christ. It's a mystery. Uh, a man leaves his father and mother, clings to his wife, but the very Son of God actually did that very thing. And He clung to humanity. He became humanity. He suffered with humanity. He rejoiced and enjoyed life with humanity, depending on the day and the event. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus had a full life. Mm -hmm. But He was did it willingly because of His love for God and for the church. Another example is government. And, uh, you know, this, this is a tough one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I'm not, you know, uh, I've, uh, I'm spectating here. I'm a Canadian. I've lived in the United States almost as much as I've lived in Canada. But, uh, you know, I, there, there's been some tough times all around the world when it comes to, to government. And uh, the point is uh, that we need to submit to government out of conscience sake. If I start to say, well, that I'm not going to submit to that authority because of how bad it is, now, this isn't saying uh, you know, somehow continue an abuse, okay? We're not, we're not talking about uh, condoning abuse. That, that is not it. There's higher laws than any government. Uh, there's higher laws than, uh, than, obviously, my leadership of Tammy. That's right. Uh, what's interesting is, if it really is in violation of God's higher laws, Tammy does not submit to me and suffers the consequences for, per se, um, but, you know, I, w I was smart. When I, when I was looking for a wife, the thing that really hit me was I want to find someone who loves God more than she loves me. And uh, despite the fact that occasionally that's painful, I'm really glad that I did find a wife who does that, mm -hmm. who actually loves God more than me. I wanted to read from uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. It says, Everyone must submit himself to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant, 
to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, and to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Uh, quite noticeably, Paul is descri describing what almost seems to be an ideal form of government. Uh, because it's a government that should be aware of its accountability to God. Uh, that is a little idealized. Uh, but rest assured, the whole world is going to give accountability for whatever power they had before God on the last day. And uh, this brings us to a point we need to clearly understand. Um, we are not, as a church, given political power. That's not the idea. We have the spirit, we have the truth, uh, we can influence, and within our countries we all have certain civil rights which we are free to exercise before God. Paul occasionally did. He, he pleaded his Roman citizenship and, and changed the whole outcome of a situation. Uh, sometimes maybe not even, I would say, to the best uh, end, but anyways, he had that right and he exercised that right. But if we think we're going to change society to be Christian by using political power, we are sorely, sorely mistaken. I think one of the most tragic moments in the history of the church is when Constantine took it upon himself to call the first global conference of church leaders from around his empire and really began to become involved with the church. Uh, that is so sad because in the end, the official church began to mirror the authority structure mm -hmm. of the world. Uh, we have to be careful. We do not fight as the world fights. Uh, but we need to respect this authority that, that, uh, mm -hmm. that they have. And understand, in this way, there's no government. Whether they believe in God or not is not a question. They will one day give an account to God for how they use the power that they were given. Uh, be careful if you want to be the one that draws them into account today. Carefully read your Old Testament and look at what happens to the nations, to the nations God used to judge other nations. Mm -hmm. uh, it never ended well for anyone I can think of. Mm -hmm. uh, the moment you became God's instrument of justice and judgment, uh, arrogance rose and you became a power yourself. And then God had to raise up the next guy. It was like mm -hmm. a terrible game of dominoes. Yeah. So let's, let's take a, just take comfort in this. No matter what government, what system, how it came to be, how it operates, eventually all will give an account to God. Mm -hmm. And uh, that should in some ways give us a little bit of patience mm -hmm. and a little bit of comfort. Uh, finally, I just want to talk about the church. You know, uh, the church also has authority. Uh, there's leadership and there's fellowship in the church. Um, it's funny, in Luke's Gospel, right following the Lord's Supper, uh, it's a little tragic actually, they finish the Lord's Supper and then it says, immediately a discussion began among the disciples about who was the greatest. Uh, if I was Jesus, I would say, first communion, fail. Okay? I mean, here they are, they're supposed to be focusing in on the humility of Jesus, His sacrifice, and the argument turns to who is the greatest. And then there's a section of teaching right there. Mm -hmm. Well, in John's Gospel, we don't have even a mention of communion. Mm 
But what we have is the story of Jesus washing their feet and then also the same teaching as in Luke about leadership. I put together the story this way. Uh, Jesus finishes communion. Uh, they're having a moment to relax. Uh, they start discussing among themselves who is the greatest. Jesus gets up from the table, takes out his outer, outer clothing, straps around a towel, and starts going around and washing people's feet. I think it pretty much stopped the conversation. But we need to understand something. The disciples still didn't understand how to use authority properly. And Jesus taught them this in Luke 22, verse 25. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Mm -hmm. Now I love that. I'm your benefactor. In other words, you're the beneficiary, and I'm going to just exercise power over you for your own good. Uh, we all know how that feels when someone makes that excuse. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Now, they were all sitting at the table still, and Jesus has, you know, just got around and washed all their feet. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, we need to humble ourselves and understand mm -hmm. that when you have a leadership role, when you have any kind of authority, uh, you have to answer to God for that authority. That authority isn't licensed to do what you want. That authority is the license to do what God wants you to do. That's what it means to be a godly leader and a godly person in authority. I want to read another scripture, Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, what jumps out to me in this, this uh, verse is the leaders have to give an account. Mm -hmm. They have to give an account. And so it says here, submit. Now, the, the Greek word uh, for obey right here, obey your leaders, it literally does mean obey, but it's from the root to allow yourself to be persuaded. In other words, surrender yourself to this, this opinion. And then the word submit is literally submit to the authority. Um, what's interesting uh, here is when you think about a leadership, their whole purpose is to take care of the church. And so I see this working really interestingly in that every local leadership has some kind of strategy, some kind of plan, but they actually need the cooperation of the church to exercise their plan. You know, there was an interesting thing happened in Sweden in the 80s. Uh, they set the uh, speed limits within the cities, the, in city limits, they set all the stoplights that if you actually drove the speed limit, you would not have to stop for like two miles. You would just keep going. But if you went a little faster than the speed limit, the whole thing fell apart. And so it was kind of an interesting conversation that they, they made it quite public because we've made this system, but if you don't submit to it, you won't get what you actually want in the end, which is to get out of town and back home as fast as you can. Uh, you know, there's no leadership that's perfect, whether it's in a family, whether it's in the church, but leadership is a work in progress. Uh, leadership is accountable to God. Anyone with authority will give account to God for that authority. And so it doesn't matter if you have a role. Some people say, well, I'm not recognized as a teacher, so I can say whatever I want. No, 
The moment you influence the opinion of another person, you are acting as a teacher. You are completely responsible. Sure. Uh, sometimes people open up web pages or sites or, or chat groups and they go, well, we can do whatever we want to because this isn't church. I'll tell you what, the moment that you take responsibility for any kind of forum, the moment that you open up for people to speak, you are responsible for what happens there, just as the church leadership is responsible to who gets behind the microphone and influences the congregation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to understand great accountability and responsibility comes with authority in Scripture. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say uh, Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. I believe that submission is so hard, but God is forming Christ in us. Mm. Not just in the ones in submission, but also in those who have been given a part of God's authority here on earth within a certain relational context. Mm. And so I hear sometimes the cry, because it's not working, it can't be right. Because there's suffering, it can't be right. It can't be godly. That's not what I see in the scripture. I think that suffering is part of God's plan. And while we would never want to prolong suffering needlessly, that's ridiculous, that's terrible. On the other hand, suffering is part of God's plan to form Christ in us. Mm. Um, it's, it's important to see God working in all of this. Uh, I've been able to do a little work in, in recent months with some conflict resolution situations. And the thing that has really hit me as I look back is most conflicts begin when God's not in the picture. And so he asked somebody, well, tell me the story. And they talk and they talk and they talk. And they, then you say, so where was God during that? They have not really considered it. And they're so busy being mad or upset with someone, they're not asking themselves, what is God doing? You know, in these relationships of submission, these relationships of responsibility and authority, uh, we have to ask ourselves, where is God in this? And if you have authority, if you, if, you're, if you are responsible in leadership, then you need to really understand that, that God will hold you accountable for how you are in your leadership. But also if you're in submission, God will also hold you accountable. Um, you know, we can look back at the past and our movement of churches has had some issues. But I will tell you, it's not just a question of bad leadership. Many times there's been a question of bad fellowship. There's been people who want to just be told what to do, not to dig into their Bibles, not to have their own convictions. It's just easy to tell me what is expected of me and then to live the rest of my life the way I want to. That isn't God's plan. God's plan is that each one of us digs deep into Scripture, understands what role He has called us to, and then with all of our heart fulfill that role. Jesus is Lord. But he also was the completely submissive, submissive son who did everything that his father asked him to do. Jesus plays both roles. Uh, now his, his role of submission is over. Uh, he has done what he was asked to do. He's, he's received the glory that he had back before the beginning of time with the father. He's been restored to that. That form of God is, is now part of who he is again. And I can't explain the incarnation. To me it's just amazing and uh, you know, inexplicable. But the truth of it is, God knows all about our struggle. Mm 
-hmm. whether you're the one in submission or whether you're the one that's been called to lead. Uh, all of it is appointed by God. God is in it all. And through it all, we can learn a lot of valuable lessons. Mm -hmm. You know, just a final little point, which I think is, is kind of helpful from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, in his discussion about having the right attitude towards those in authority and power, this is what Solomon advised. Do not revile the king in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird of the air may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Uh, you know, not much has changed in 3,000 years because I would call that a tweet. Okay? If a bird is going to take your message, we call that a tweet. Uh, you know, what's happened is uh, you can get in a lot of trouble just by saying a phrase, just by being disrespectful for a moment, just by not being biblical. We cannot have these conversations in the church today without the Bible open. The Bible needs to be the basis of what we're talking. And the Bible and then the Spirit of God, the fruits visible, peace, joy, mm -hmm. long-suffering, uh, all love, these things are what need to really drive and be at the center of mm -hmm. all these conversations. Careless words are highly destructive. Mm -hmm. In today's social media culture, it's so easy to say something and it is out there and you cannot get it back. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus talks about this, that every word that we say we'll be held accountable for. Every reckless word, yeah. You know, we, we are in a great, uh, we have a great opportunity as disciples of Jesus to actually navigate the issues that our society is going through in a way that's going to be very different than society. Because our base understanding of what's going on mm -hmm. differs. Uh, we are not fighting for power. We are fighting for what was right according to God. And so in God's world, there is authority. He's, he's allowed that. Uh, sometimes it seems that men usurp authority. They take something they shouldn't have. They will give account to God for what they have done. Uh, if we try to take our, it into our own hands and take that authority, we will have to give an account to God for what we have done. So this is very important. Jesus is our example. He shows us how to lead. He shows us how to be in submission. He shows us how to be people who are pleasing to God. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really supports our reach, as well as follow us on Instagram at Talus Theology.